Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've always pictured a, a football season, really like you're writing a book. Each chapter, it's another game. There's interesting characters that kind of weave their way in and out. And really, the plot, you think, come on, how many, I've done this as a head coach for 35 years, you think, come on, it has to be the same. And in all honesty, no, you think you've seen it all in the game of football? You think, come on, you, you, you've done all these games you've done in all these situations you think you've seen it all and every year football proves that no you haven't seen it all there's always some different scenario or a different approach that you have to take it's that type of experience i love that segment from cleveland san ignatius high school head coach chuck kyle coach kyle begins his 40th and final season as he announced his retirement plans on december 13th of 2021 over the time he's written an incredible book or a series of them that include 369 wins, 11 state championships, and three national titles. So we wish Coach the best as he begins writing that 40th volume of his career. And that's what we're going to share today. Nine ideas that can help you create a better plot. Doesn't matter what kind of offense or defense you run. We're going to have things that apply to anything. And we're going to start, though, with culture and relationships and leading things off is the head coach at UTSA, Jeff Trailer, who's talking about finding players who are going to do everything you need them to do. Those are the guys that you want to have on the field this season. It's pretty simple for me when I'm picking players. Can they and will they? Uh, can they? We're talking about their athletic attributes. Whatever your position requires for them, for some of you it's going to be different. Some of you small plays smaller. Some of you play bigger defensive linemen. Um, make sure you know what their athletic ability is. Can they? But just as important is will they? Will they? If they don't show up, if they don't want to be there, if you're having to find them and chase them, they don't want to. Well, you can't do anything with that. That's why your culture has to be so strong. That's why you have to do character traits. That's why you had to have a culture so you can affect that will they. So you can affect the will they way more than the can they. The can they is a genetic thing. You might take credit for all those Division One players, uh, but <laughs> I, I never did. I understood that God made those guys. 
And I knew that my job really was to make sure, would they? Could I get the culture right? Secondary and defensive pass game coordinator at the University of Texas, Terry Joseph, shares some ideas here on player relationships. And it starts with the understanding that they know things. They understand things pretty well. And they want to have a voice in our program. So he talks about some things that help them create the buy-in that you're going to need to be successful this season. They know and they want. And what I mean by that is um, they know they know more than we give them credit for. They're very perceptive. They're all, they might not uh, speak it, but they see it. And they most of the time, they do what they see. So um, we have to realize that. Um, I think all players definitely want feedback, um, but they want that feedback packaged in a gift basket for them, if so to speak. Um, you know, harsh uh, criticism, there's times for it, but I think there's different ways that you can give them feedback that they can benefit from, and then they can understand what they have to uh, work on or what needs to be done. So I think the feedback is very critical in almost every situation, uh, using almost every uh, opportunity as a learning opportunity. And then they want a voice. I mean, we've seen that a ton in 2020. Um, these guys have uh, these platforms that they feel like um, they have a voice. And I think as a coach, giving them a voice can be an ally, a benefit to the relationship and a program, because I think that gives uh, the players ownership in the relationship and the organization, and it gives them uh, buy-in to the program that, hey, this is my program. This is our program. It's not just the coaches. It's not just the players, the principal, the athletic director. It is our program. And hey, we all want a voice. We all want to be heard. And I think when every when it's cohesive and everybody understands, yeah, you had you had a voice. Your opinion was heard. However, this is what we're doing moving forward. When the communication and the trust is there, I think we can voice our opinions. We might not agree. However, for the best of our relationship, the best of our team, this is how we're going to move forward. And I think when communication's clean and clear, the trust is there, everybody can have a voice understanding that we all have one common goal, whether it's family, team, or business organization, and we're never will sacrifice that goal. But I think giving them a voice is very critical. Hall of Fame coach Bill Snyder certainly has seen it all over his career. And in this segment, he talks about how you handle a disgruntled player. We're going to have those situations over the course of the year where expectations are not met. So how do you do that? How do you pull that one out of the fire and bring that player back into the fold? That's what Coach is going to talk about here. Well, I think, you know, the, <clears throat> the important thing is that uh, a young person uh, has a feeling of consequences, if there are never consequences for whatever that behavior might be, uh, then you're probably not going to eliminate the behavior that you're uh, trying to. And so consequently, I think that I, I think too many times as coaches, we, uh, we try to talk an individual into being a certain type of person. 
and uh, it, it's kind of like you know if you if you go over the speed limit uh, they give you a ticket uh, you know if they if they say you know slow down don't go as fast uh, and don't give you a ticket uh, you're probably gonna go as fast uh, <clears throat> but when they give you that ticket then you start thinking hey you know they're they're serious about this and uh, if I get another one I'm in some serious trouble and so consequently, I think you have to have some groundwork in regards to consequences. So, but it's important that they understand what the consequences are before they commit whatever uh, issue that they, that they might, you know, and, and when they become disgruntled, it's normally playing time and it's being able to, you know, uh, make them understand that uh, you, you want to play the best that are out there. I mean, that's uh, the plight of every coach. You know, nobody's nobody's playing favorites, uh, but if there's uh, if you're going to stay disgruntled, then we either are not going to have you on the football team, or we're going not going to dress you, or whatever the case may be, whatever you set, whatever guidelines you set. But nevertheless, I think you have to have uh, <clears throat> guidelines for virtually everything, and then you have to follow whatever whatever those happen to be, and. Uh, whatever the consequences are, not being afraid to uh, to impart the consequences. You know, I think sometimes, you know, as coaches, we have that quote-unquote star player, so to speak, and we're afraid uh, to uh, discipline that individual for whatever reason, and uh, consequently, you know, we allow him to continue to be who he is, and he's more detrimental to the entirety of the football team being there than he could be if he wasn't there. And so, you know, placing the consequences, whatever they happen to be, in place, uh, and and it and it brings the attention of everybody else as well. They understand you as a coach are going to follow through with whatever guidelines you have established. You know, because too many times, and I've been guilty of this, as go back to that previous question, you know, I was guilty of that, you know, as a very young coach, <clears throat> that I would lay down the guidelines, but then uh, when push comes to shove, you know, sometimes I didn't follow through, you know, when I should have, and that created more problems than, uh, than it should have. Phil Longo once joked on the podcast that his playbook at home is as tall as he is, but... His playbook with his team is as streamlined as possible. Over the course of the season, when you think about it, it's easy to say, wow, look at that play that this team ran against our opponent. We could do that. It's a slippery slope. I've done it before. I think it leads to confusion. And it's not just confusion for the players. I think it's also a little bit of confusion for the play caller. Uh, If something doesn't get reps it's going to be hard for the players to be successful at it. And if it's something new, it's not always into your thought process. So it becomes a a wasted play. So the best approach is to stay simple and make your plays as efficient as possible through coaching and refining. And that's what Coach Longo explains in this next segment. Everything starts with the philosophy. I used to think that that stuff was a lot of BS. You know, I thought it was all about X's and O's, but I, I do think to develop a culture like everybody talks about or to develop an understanding of what you're trying to do offensively, you have to at least share what I think needs to be a simple philosophy. And I think the more wordy and the more complicated and the more sophisticated you get, 
the more uh, there's a chance for things to be forgotten. And so we kind of keep everything offensively that we do. And that includes philosophy. It includes organization, includes logistics. It includes X's and O's and it includes technique. We want to be simple from, from front to back, from top to bottom. Um, and every year when the, the season is over, we go through the same self-scout and self-evaluation process that I think a lot of people probably go through to try and uh, identify critically what you're not doing well. And then, you, you know, you try to research and develop those areas so that they're better the following year. We go through that same process. One of the other things that we do is we go through a, a process of simplification. And when I'm somewhere for a while and we had the same staff for a while, you know, we get some staff members at times that tend to roll their eyes and wonder why the heck are we going through this again? We just simplified four verticals last year about as much as we could. Well, this year we're going to look at four verticals again. And if there's a way to simplify it to make it even easier for our players, with one stipulation, we're going to do it. And that stipulation is we're going to simplify as far, we're going to skim it down as far as we can, as long as it doesn't cheat efficiency. And so as, as long as we can continue to run the play as efficiently as we have or greater or better, and we can still simplify it somehow, some way, then we're going to do that. Um, and it's amazing. You just think you, you reached your limit. You can't go any further with a play. And then next year we have a new coach and a new idea and, and a, you know, a new uh, approach. And it gives us a way maybe to simplify this again and still be just as good at it. So this is, this is really where we start. Um, we want to be as simple as possible. We want to be as efficient as possible. And uh, that's, that's kind of a fine line. So it's really my job at the end of the day to decide, hey, if we get any simpler, we're not going to be as efficient. We're not going to be able to handle all the situations that we see defensively. And it's also, you know, I ask our staff to make some good decisions with regards to um, is this play efficient enough to keep it in the offense? And if it's not, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to move it on and replace it with a better approach. Philosophically, um, this is the exact same slide and the same presentation that I share with our team every year. And one of the things that I tell them uh, in our meeting is, hey, for the veterans that are back, this is the same slide I showed you last year. You know, you don't. Jeff Dart is the head coach at Mount Union now, and he learned it from his mentor, Hall of Fame coach Larry Karras. You really hear this and you have heard it on the podcast from anybody who's either coached at or played at Mount Union that it's about players formation plays and coach dart explains the philosophy in this next clip now overall um offensive philosophy um and, and this was you know started with larry karras uh many years ago is, is players formations plays so we're gonna you know use the guys that that we have here to uh create our personnel groups get them into formations um and then run the plays that that we can be effective with and uh stress the defense but going in a little bit more depth uh you know we want to be a physical downhill run team 
attacking the A gaps. Off of that, we want to have a high percentage pass game built in with you know bubbles, smokes, quick throws, um, and screens that are all an extension of the run game. We want our our quarterbacks to be able to uh, take and make the easy throws, and uh, you know then we want to attack vertically in the pass game, whether that be off play action pass, RPOs, and uh, we want to play with tempo. I think keeping the scheme simple allows you to do that, and when you keep the scheme simple and you play with tempo, you can ultimately create conflict of assignment, which is is what we want to accomplish and and put the defense uh, at least one defender per play in conflict. Another thing that can really help you this season is getting the most out of your practice, and for Jim College, the new head football, and for Jim Collins, the new head football coach at Wittenberg, that starts with core practice values. Coach has had success wherever he's been, and he's he's been, and a big part of that success is his focus and organization that he brings to his offense. For him, it starts with understanding exactly what they want to get out of practice, and he's done that by putting emphasis on those core practice values as he details here. Football game's going to be successful. So we talk about core practice values, and I'm going to kind of jump back and forth a little bit when it comes to practice and, and, and what you're trying to get out of practice and as far as organization and purpose, and then the game planning part of it. But we talk about practice values. And, and, and really what we want to do in practice is compete on every rep. Uh, and, and I think that's so important that, that you put players in an environment where it's, there's a constant competition, whether it's a routes on air drill where you're working to get 10 in a row before you move on to the next route concept, uh, or it's one-on-one and you're keeping score and there's a winner or loser, or it's just at the end of the practice or the next day, you're able to tell uh, your guys how many third and mediums they converted during practice and how much better or worse that was than what the goal that, that you have on a, on a weekly basis is. But we talk about this first and foremost. We want to mentally and physically condition our players in practice to deal with situations and adversity. And and really, not the whole practice, but certain parts of practice need to be tougher than the game. And um, that's, you know, you you look at, and I always go back to just the best teachers you had in the classroom. And those, the, the best math teachers you ever had, if, if you all remember, were the math teachers that made the homework tougher than the test. And, and that's what we really want to do. We want to make certain parts of practice harder than what it's going to be like in the game, more mentally and physically taxing. Can't do it every day, all day, the whole week, but certain parts need to be that way. Whether And, and, I, and that's going to, it's going to prepare the players to be able to handle that adversity, to handle the, the, the tempo, to handle the the conditioning that's required of them to play four quarters and maybe an overtime. The stressing of fundamentals and execution. And, and once again, you got to have guys that make plays. But but through the course of uh, through the course of of that, eleven guys on offense have to be drilled and and have to be really really good at the fundamentals and have to understand that execution wins games. Not emotion. Not getting all fired up and coming out of the locker room. With, with, uh, with smoke coming out of their ears, but at the end of the day, relying on those fundamentals and the execution. And really for us, the most important fundamentals are blocking and ball security. When you're talking about offense and, and, and ball security is really all encompassing. 
it, it, it's how we handle the football. It's how the quarterback and center uh, uh, execute the, the quarterback center exchange. It, it's, it's the ability to accurately throw the ball on time and receivers being able to catch the ball. So it's really not just how we hold the ball going through traffic to avoid fumbles. It, it's, it's all encompassing, but, but really offensive football is blocking the ball security. And that's what we're going to emphasize every day. We're, we're going to emphasize execution by maximizing reps. We're a no huddle team. We're going to practice fast. I always said, even if we ever decided to be a huddle team, we would practice as a no huddle team because it's the way to maximize reps and get in as many reps as you can. And I think that's so critical. Uh, as we said, repetitions, quality repetitions. Uh, and, and we're going to correct on the fly. We're going we're to grade film. We're not going to be real wordy with our corrections. We're going to correct on the fly. We're going to move to the next play so we can maximize reps. Still going to be a teaching environment, but what we want to do is get as many quality reps in the practice as we possibly can. We're going to also emphasize explosive plays. And, and, it's, and it's important for our guys to understand that we're not just going to scheme up explosive plays by throwing the ball down the field or, or whatever, or trick plays, but we're going to work on finishing blocks. We're going to work on finishing plays in the red zone we're gonna, or in the end zone. We're going to run after the catch, et cetera. So we're going to emphasize explosive plays in practice. And then we're going to, we're going to really prepare our guys for all the critical situations that come up during the game. And that's what our practices are. It, it's all situation. What you're able to accomplish by really being situational in practice is, is a player's ability to not just execute their assignment in those critical situations, but also to be able during a game to anticipate what call is going to come in from the sideline. So they know it's a base down and we're in the red zone. They know what to expect. They know what play to, that's going to come in from the sidelines because we practiced it that week in practice. On third and short, they know what plays coming in because we've practiced that situation uh, and that play during the course of the week. And I think the other things you have to emphasize, because if it's not emphasized in practice, it's not going to happen in the game, but the ability to play with poise, be disciplined, and avoid committing force penalties, because at the end of the day, those are the things that get you beat. The cliche is that the defense is always ahead of the offense early in the season. And I don't know if that's true anymore, as you've seen what offenses can do with the RPO, with tempo, with all the things that they do to stress a defense. So here's three ideas to think about that can help your defense this season. And number one is that negative plays make a huge impact on scoring percentage in a single drive. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Mike Ayers, the Green Bay Packers, his famous study of explosive plays and how a single explosive play on a drive greatly increases the chances of a score for the offense. That effect is also true with negative plays. A single negative play, tackle for loss or sack on a drive, decreases the chances of the offense scoring drastically. It cuts it down to 25% score, 15% touchdown. And it's basically the inverse of an explosive on offense. So in this next segment, Big 12 champion defensive coordinator Ron Roberts explains the percentages and how he thinks about creating negative plays. The analytics tell us that this, that if, 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 a, if a, on a drive, if you have a negative play, right, if we have tackle for loss or whatever else, right, that team in college football, FBS, they got less than 25% time, uh, chance of scoring a touchdown. 
Okay, and fifteen percent. All right, and fifteen. I'm sorry, fifteen percent touchdowns and twenty five percent chance they got a chance at least to kick a field goal. Okay, if on that drive, on the, any individual drive, we have a sack, they score points sixteen percent of the time. That could be field goal or touchdown, and touchdowns nine percent of the time. So when you're playing the analytics of this game, is like today, especially with the RPO and things have changed. Uh, I, this became a big part, of, you know, of evaluating defensively where we're going and the calls we're using and what we're doing. So, you know, hey, basically, hey, if I can get a tackle for loss anywhere in a drive, you know, hey, then it's, it's a 25% of scoring. And so we did a study about four years ago, or maybe it been, could be five or six now, where they said, hey, what? Uh, and we do it every year, all right? Uh, and it's been the same. Um, but about six years, I guess five or six years ago, we did a study saying, hey, how did we get TFLs? And really, and we did it across all the, the top defenses. And really, everything was this. I mean, people got TFLs. Either you had a dominant defensive lineman. I mean, a dominant. And at this level, he's an NFL guy. You got an NFL D lineman. He can whoop a guy, snack him off, make it, you know, make a TFL. Either it was just some guy whooping a guy, which didn't happen a lot of times. Or it was on some type of movement or stunt. D-line was moving gaps, and we got a TFL, or we were uh, run pressure, okay? And the same thing came down to sacks. A lot of our sacks are not – I think this year we have the 44 sacks. I think six of them were a guy came off the line of scrimmage, made a move, executed a move, and beat a guy. Uh, the rest of them were off of us. That was some type of designed way to attack the protection, and we got them. So that's big, and it's going to be big in how we call things, Okay. So we do we do this on a daily basis, kind of with that. Every day at practice, after practice, we'll go off the last practice. This is a whole season stat, okay? But we would say off of practice and then off of every game, we're going to count all the same. Hey, what's the total snaps? Well, because well, any havoc. Havoc is considered interception, PBUs, forced fumbles, sacks, quarterback hits, TFLs, right? And what's our percentage of creating havoc? Okay, so we do it on a daily basis. We do it every hey every Monday. We come in after ball game. We're gonna get it up, but we do it daily, you know. Uh, and just to emphasize it and make sure we're counting it, rewarding it, uh, and, and and so we're really designing things off it. So the first one I'm gonna like I'm gonna talk about habit. Yeah, our first our bread and butter call is like uh, tight four. It's you know two four eyes head up nose, and here was where we start. But there's no movement and there's no pressure, right? So if we play that all the time, we're probably not going to get a lot of TFLs unless we have a dominant guy. We're probably not creating those situations, and they're going to have a better chance of staying on, of staying on track. And so everything we're designing is also you have the base way to play things. When we're going to put our cleats in the ground and be solid, play things, and then, then we want to make sure we, we have enough movement in our system, run like first and 10, what can we call it to get a TFL, make it 12, second and 12, or, or second and 10. And – put them behind the sticks and get us out of there. Another thing that can help your defense this year is teaching your players to watch film with a purpose. As coaches, by nature, we're film junkies. But we can't expect that to be true of our players. So regardless of how much time they watch film, we want it to serve a productive purpose to help them win on game day. And it's something that Florida State defensive coordinator Adam Fuller picked up years ago in a clinic, and now he does it with his players, and he explains that here. I got this from, I was visiting or at a clinic as a young coach, and, you know, it's always, you tell your guys you want them to watch more tape. And I think we all fall victim to that. But you got to be specific on, on what does that look like? 
And this is something we put up, we give to all incoming freshmen uh, we get, or first year students um, and something we emphasize of just, if we're gonna have you watch film, what does that look like? And so we give them kind of a detailed uh, or broad description of what that looks like. So when they're watching their tape, you know, for this clinic per se, it's gonna be third down, but always know the situation, you know, the down distance, what type of football is it? Two minute, four minute red zone, and then make a call, whatever the call is, but put yourself in a physical call and then mentally align yourself, communicate out loud, feel comfortable being within the film room of how you're gonna go through the film and then go through your identifiable keys, your matches, and then play with some anticipation as you watch it. Read your key and execute. And you know this may be a simple exercise, but again, when players get in to watch film, I can remember as a player and you just sit down, next thing you know, you're 30 minutes later, you've invested time, but really what have you gotten done? So this is just in the way of trying to be efficient with our players to get them you know, to watch film with a specific purpose. The third thing, for your defense is to make the technology work for you. And really, this is not just defense. This is any position, any unit on the field. The season is a mental and emotional grind. We know that. And you can find ways to steal back time for you and your staff by making the advances that we've seen over the last few years serve you better. So having a plan that makes it simple for your staff and frees up their time will pay dividends over the season and you'll have a staff that's fresh and energized when you hit the playoffs. It's something that Rob Pomazak, the head coach at St. Charles North, has thought about and put into action with his staff, and he explains what that looks like for them here. So in our program, we've really kind of adopted an electronic ecosystem, and this was prior to COVID. It was something that I've always, you know, I'm not really a tech-savvy person, but I enjoy kind of pushing the envelope and seeing what we can do from a technology standpoint to help the kids out and kind of meet our kids where where they're at. Um, So we've really kind of uh, adopted the G Suite, which is now I think going to be called Workplace starting in December. And and some of the the great things that G Suite does is it allows us to use our time effectively and efficiently. It increases the output that we are going to get back from what we're putting in. Um, It also decreases time away from the family because if I'm using anything on Google, I can be sitting with my family. My kids can be at the couch and I can have my computer on my lap. But one of the best things I like about using Google is that it allows us to have this constant collaboration with with our coaches because everything that we're gonna be doing is shared. And whether I'm on my, on my phone or on my computer, I can take a look at it and we can constantly be having these ongoing conversations without having, you know, a quote unquote formal, formal meeting. You know, when we have practice, there's only so many minutes before a practice and then you have practice and you have your film. And then there's only so many minutes after that, because everybody wants to get out the ability to have a, what we call like a one-stop shop for everything that we need for our game plan is really kind of invaluable. These are just some examples on how we use our G Suite. We're gonna use uh, Google Sheets for all of our game planning, which I'll show you in a little bit. We'll put all of our practice plans on there. I found that putting our practice plans on Google Sheets is really helpful because it allows us to not only see what we're doing, but my coaches can collaborate and put in their drill work. They can put in any comments they have. Maybe they need an extra five minutes for inside game or something along those lines. And it just saves us those conversations, the moment of when we all know as a head coach, we're going out to the practice field, 
we've got our practice plan. It, it's really difficult to make adjustments. We can always change what we're doing, but that also affects what everybody else is doing. So the ability to have that in front of us at home or prior to is really helpful. We'll use Google Forms for player evaluations, but when we're talking about game planning specifically, we're gonna put our, our game planning quizzes on there. So we're gonna take this game plan that we make on Huddle, and then we're gonna pull some of that information and we're gonna make a Google Form quiz that the kids will take at midweek to see how they're learning so that we have an opportunity to see if we need to remediate anything or maybe add something to the game plan because they just don't know it or take something out because it hasn't sunk in. Uh, we'll use Google Classroom as our main mode of communication. One thing that I wanna kind of stress if you're interested in, in learning is learn how to do a screencast. Uh, Screencastify is an extension of Google Classroom and it's so helpful because you can screen capture your computer just like we're doing right now. And you can go through your huddle film with comments, you can go through your game plan and you can screencast that. And then you can send that to your kids, whether it's on Google Classroom or to their email. And the feedback that I've gotten from our kids has been really that that's probably one of the best ways that they learn because I don't have to be physically in front of you to be explaining our game plan. I can be sitting on my couch, going through it, going through those nuances for you. And you could be doing this when you're comfortable and you can go back to it as much as you want so that you can keep getting that constant learning going on. Um, Google Meets for us is helpful, but I, I kind of stay away from Google Meets these days because it doesn't really allow you to have any. So there you have it. Nine ideas that can help you this season with your program, with your offense, with your defense. We start off our in-season series. We have five of those each week beginning on Monday. We're going to have OC office hour where each week we'll have a different offensive coordinator join us to discuss some of the games of the past week as well as some ideas for adjustments and things moving forward. On Tuesdays, we'll have Dan Carroll, who's the defensive coordinator at the USFL Michigan Panthers, join us to take a deep dive on defense in an in-season series, looking at some of the games we saw. Again, how do things apply to us in practice and adjustments? And every week, he's going to include a segment on defending option. We have the Mushroom Society podcast, where we're going to get into the details of how things are done up front and how we can work to adjust and keep our offensive line and our offense moving throughout the season. We have Steve Hauser joining us for Teach Tapes with a focus on special teams and technique. And he's somebody who does a great job on his at Teach Tapes on Twitter. So he's going to share a lot of content and ideas with us. He was an analyst and the offensive coordinator position at Iowa State. He also served a similar position at Oklahoma State. And on Fridays, we'll have an interview with a master coach, somebody who has done it and had success. We'll get insight into what they did over the course of their career. So be sure to join us for our in-season series focused on things that are going to help you all season long. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.